0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Romans chapter 8 and reading for our text, verse 28. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8 and verse 28. Very well known chapter, very blessed chapter, many things that are of great comfort to the people of God. Of course, the chapter begins with that wonderful declaration that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And this follows the Apostle's conflict in the previous chapter, the good that he would, he did not, the evil that he would not, that he did, and who shall deliver him from that body of death? And the answer was in our Lord Jesus Christ. Well then throughout the chapter he gives the blessings of one in Christ Jesus and especially the latter portion that we've read together we have the assurance really what our Lord said in John 10 that no one is able to pluck his sheep out of his hand my father that is greater than I no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand and We have that assurance throughout the latter part of this chapter. I want to then specifically look at the verse that is before us. And I want to uh, divide the word into uh, three parts. Firstly, the blessing of knowledge. The word begins with, and we know. We know that all things work together for good. And then secondly, four things that this text reveals about God's people. The word, of course, reveals a lot about God's children, but we've confined our thoughts just to what is set before us in this verse this evening. Uh, And then in the third place, the use of this knowledge, how we can use the knowledge for uh, good and uh, actually have improved on that knowledge. Firstly, the blessing of knowledge. The Apostle says, and we know. We think of the Apostle when he wrote to the Thessalonians and in the fourth chapter. He comes to the uh, latter part of that, and he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep. And these Thessalonians, they were troubled, that those that had died of their relatives, their loved ones, that they had perished, and that there was no hope for them. And the apostle then sets before them the knowledge of what the truth was, that their souls were with the Lord, at the end of the world, the Lord would come with power, he'd bring them with him, the dead would rise first, and those that are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the air. And he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, these words of knowledge, that through the knowledge of the truth, was to be comfort to them at this time. Our Lord said to those that believed in John 8, verse 31, I think, uh, He said there uh, that if ye continue in my word, then ye shall be my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And it is a knowledge through the word of God and how vital it is that we have that knowledge when the Lord rose from the dead he met with those first on the way to Emmaus and they did not know him they also did not and weren't able to interpret what had happened at Jerusalem we trusted it should have been he that should have redeemed Israel and they were troubled troubled in their minds so the Lord gently reproved them, ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory, and beginning at Moses and all the scriptures he expounded in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, and their heart burned within them. The Lord was giving them knowledge, opening them up to them what was the purpose of God, what his uh, all the types and the shadows pointed to that it was to be a suffering saviour and that what had happened was all according to the plan and purpose of God. And so again, the knowledge of that was, was, it was a great comfort in that in that way. And later on when they'd returned back with the disciples The the disciples were saying this, The Lord is risen indeed. Throughout that day, the knowledge of the rising of the Lord was gradually unfolding. At first, they were so perplexed. The the, the tomb was empty. What had happened? And then by the end, the certainty and more certainty uh, there was, the more comfort there was. And then when the Lord appeared to them in the upper room, Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord, and then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. It is a blessed thing to have the knowledge of the truth. There's thousands, millions that do not have that knowledge of the truth, not even in a natural way, but in a spiritual way, we have the promise, All thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. I think it's Bunyan in his Pilgrim's Progress, he speaks of one ignorance. And he, he thought he'd just get to heaven. He didn't need to know much doctrine. He, he didn't need to really be very particular or anything. He'd just, just drift along and all would be well with him without really having a good hope and uh, Bunyan's Christian and hopeful I think it was tried very hard to impress upon him the need of that vital faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him but he was just happy to be in his ignorance and then solemnly perished at the end it's a blessed thing if we can join with the Apostle And we can say we know, we know. And uh, going back a couple of chapters, uh, we think of chapter 6. The Apostle had just, in the previous chapters, set forth that we are saved by faith and by grace alone. And then counters the uh, terrible thought, shall we sin that grace might abound? And right through that chapter, he says in verse 3, "'Know ye not.'" And then in verse 6, "'Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him.'" And then in verse 9, "'Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more.'" And all the time he's bringing before them knowledge. Uh, Verse 16, "'Know ye not.'" that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And so the text here begins with this word, and we know, do we know, and if we do know, may we count it a blessing, and be thankful to the Lord if ever, He has opened our eyes opened our ears taught us and instructed us taught us something of the things of god those things concerning the lord concerning ourselves concerning his work in his people's lives in our lives concerning those things that are in our text here and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Or secondly, four things that this text reveals about God's people. The first is this, that the Lord has an eternal purpose towards them. It doesn't just begin in time, but it has begun in eternity. And our text is just before a a beautiful chain, a golden chain, if you like. It goes from eternity past, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And we have this beautiful chain that goes from eternity past into time and then eternity to come. That which is in the past is that which is foreknown, and then that which... He has predestinated them and that joins and links into time because the destination that he has for them is concerning firstly in this life, in this life to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren made like unto the Lord Jesus Christ he was made like unto his brethren but sin accepted and he has always predestinated his people to be as he was in this world he says I am not of this world ye are not of this world even as I am not of this world if they have uh, received my word then they will receive your word if they believe me then they will believe you And the world did not want the Lord. And they don't want the people of God either. And the Lord's people are in this world to be like our Lord was. Not of it. Not a friend of the world. And this is what the Lord has always intended for his dear people as they are through this world. And to that end then, he... Uh, calls them by grace and that is in then in time and then uh, being called and brought to be a believer they are justified justified by faith and then he glorifies them and brings them to heaven and to be with him and to see his glory and so their eternal purpose may we think of that And what a wonder that is for a poor sinner. For you and I as believers that the Lord has loved us with an everlasting love and therefore with loving kindness has He drawn us. For no, nothing good in us, nothing He foresaw in us, no reason in us whatsoever. If anything that He foresaw It can be drawn from what we read in Deuteronomy and in Moses' words and Joshua's words. They said that Israel would turn away. They would go to idolatry. They would forsake. They'd already done so through the wilderness. And so God knows what his people are. He knows what is in man. We read when he was on earth, he did not commit himself unto them. He knew what was in man. And yet the Lord has this eternal purpose of love and grace and mercy and those that are chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, they are those that shall be in that innumerable throng in heaven at last. Time like a narrow sea is in between that. But the Lord has His counsel and has His purpose. And we know that. We know that it is not influenced by man. It is God's purpose. And what a blessed thing to think that I, a poor sinner, am found in that purpose. So the first thing this text reveals about God's people, he has an eternal purpose towards them. The second thing is, they are called by grace according to that purpose. The calling comes in the middle of this chain. And of course, those that the Lord calls, He also at Calvary has put away their sin, He's blotted out their transgressions, He's paid their debts, borne in their body in His body their sins on the tree, and therefore. When the appointed time comes, they are born into this world, and then born again of the Spirit, and called by the grace of God to hear his voice. My sheep, they hear my voice. I pass by thee when thou wast in thy blood. When thou wast in thy blood, I bid thee live. All of God's children are called, and that is a holy calling, it is a heavenly calling, and it is God's calling. And it is that which shall result in eternal life. It is the giving of life. And may we be clear, it is an irresistible call. They will answer to that call. Their heart will move at His command. And we are told this then about the people of God in our text. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The third thing is that they are brought to love God, whom having not seen ye love. What a blessed thing. And that then is translated into love to the brethren. We know that we have passed from death unto life in that we love the brethren. When the Lord would assure Peter of his love to Peter, he asked Peter, lovest thou me?" And John is very clear. We love him because he first loved us. The love to God is not in us by nature. It doesn't come by nature we are at peace with hell with god at war the whole work of redemption is to god and sinners reconciled it is to bring man bring fallen men to be turned completely around to instead of love hating uh, god and loving sin they're brought to hate sin to mourn over it though they feel to not mourn enough and but to to love god and so this is a, a blessed grace the Lord gives to his dear children. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And so may we be blessed with the love of God, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, to look back, to remember the time when that was so, when it was a constraining love, a love that brought us to walk in His ways, in His commandments, maybe many other things too in our lives. You can say it was the love of Christ that constrained us. So that's the third thing that's set before us here. They brought to love God. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And the fourth thing is this, that all things work together for good to them. This is really the main message of, of this verse. All things work together for good. What shall we say about this? One thing to say is it's for an eternal good. Eternal good. The Lord said, Fear not them which kill the body. After that there's nothing more they can do. But fear him who hath power to cast both body and soul into hell. Our soul is worth much more than our bodies. And the Lord's dealings with us have regard to that. And we may suffer suffer health, suffer material things for the good of our souls. The last is steeped, he only lays yet softened in his blood. And those things that we go through fall out rather to the furtherance of the gospel and in a personal sense, a personal way as well. Instructed and taught, thy teachers, shall not be removed into a corner any more. The working together for good. Often think of how things in Providence. We may have them happen before we hear the word preached, and then the word comes and it goes along with what has happened in the week, and it fits together. There's one author that's ordered Providence and ordered the word. Sometimes the other way round. John six We have the miraculous feeding with the loaves and the fishes, 5,000. And then the day following, we have the teaching of the manna, the Lord Jesus Christ, the manna from heaven. And those are blessed times where the Lord joins in providence, teaching through the word, working together. Another question we may ask is, long-term or short-term. Sometimes we might have a very short trial and we can see that something has worked together for good, some disappointment, some uh, thing that has been a change in providence and we see within a few hours or a few days that it has worked for good. Other times it can be like dear Joseph who has to wait 20 or so years and then he is able to say ye meant it for evil god meant it for good until his word came or time came the word of the lord tried him and so the lord warns us judge nothing before the time the lord's time is right and we're not to suddenly judge and say well How can this verse be true? How can I be a child of God? Because this hasn't worked for good. But sometimes our measure of what is good is wrong, and sometimes it is that. We just have not got to the end of it yet. Dear Jacob, right at the very end, when he's within, as it were, a very short time, at the end of twenty or so years, and he's soon going to see Joseph... He's saying, all these things are against me. How little did he realize there was so much for him and he was so close to actually seeing that. And you and I might be in that same situation, ready to despair, ready to say everything's against us and yet being so close to the time, the Lord appears and shows us that these things have been for good. There's a real reason why dear Paul they had two shut doors couldn't go into Bithynia or Asia but then come over into Macedonia and help us and he saw the reason for the shut doors and we can have that as well and so those things that work together for good is another mark of the people of God one of those things the Lord has joined together that is revealed in this text about the people of God. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. Now in the third place, the use of this knowledge. How, how can we use this? How can we profit from the word here? Firstly, they are tokens of being the Lord's people here. It is a blessed thing when the Lord has tokens for his people, Scripture tokens. Some people can use very mistaken tokens that of some saying, well, if I'm a child of God and it's raining outside, let the rain suddenly stop and that's a sign that I'm a child of God. Rain might stop, but there's no sign that you're a child of God. It's not according to Scripture at all. Not according to knowledge at all. But the words that are in our text are scriptural, true tokens of a child of God those things working for good things outside of our control things in the Lord's control things that regard our soul things that we didn't know but the Lord has taught us and we do know them the love of God that we didn't have by nature and the Lord has given us that These things are a token. Show me a token, Lord, for good. Token of thy special love. The things in this verse are a true token, that which Rahab said, give me a true token to the spies. The second use is that these are the words that faith Lays hold on, especially in trials. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you know we, we, we can easily comfort one another and say, don't don't worry, don't fear, everything will be all right, but no foundation to it. There are many fear nots in the word of God, and the Lord always backs them up with solid truth, a reason why we should not fear and so here is that which faith lays hold upon faith it might in the present trial look at this and say that we have known something of the love of God and we have been called and we do know that the Lord has had those purposes of grace and mercy toward us. And we may be able to look back to other things in our lives where there has been a working together for good. But in the present trial, we can't see how it does work for good. And it is a trial and it is a burden. But this word then is a word that faith will lay hold on and say, my soul, we know this. It must work for good. I can't see how yet. I can't see how it is, but it must. Because it has before and it's joined all together as one package, as it were, in this verse. And the word of God cannot fail. Heaven and earth shall pass away. My words shall not pass away. They must come to pass. And faith will lay hold upon it. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him as the health of my countenance and my God. Is that who can tell? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. The thing is not finished yet. The Lord is still working out his purposes. He is in control. And faith. It lays hold upon such a word like this. Though everything around might be ways, billows, troubles, faith lays hold. And then there's the last point. Here is subject for prayer and for watchfulness. We turn this verse into prayer. Lord, make this that I'm going through to work for good. Bring me to see in thy time what place it has in thy providence, in thy plan, and for my good and for thy honour and for thy glory. And then they'll be there watching. They're watching. How is it working? How is it working for good? that examination of ourselves, our own spirits, that watching of providence, watching the Lord's hand and Lord's way, a means that our soul might be kept lively and exercised and prayerful and watchful. The end of Psalm 107, we read, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And certainly, in a verse like this, the loving kindness of the Lord in giving it to us and in arranging, arranging the conduct of His grace, His providence, His dealings with us in such a way that there are tokens for us, there are helps for us, there are things that we know, things that the Lord has revealed and things that shall be a comfort right through our journey's end and land us safe in glory as the beautiful golden chain does that follows on after the text whom he justified them he also glorified the Lord then bless this word to us each this evening and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. The Lord bless his word.